you are tuned into another episode of the My Mike and I podcast. I am your host, Noah Alvarez. Hope everyone's doing well this week. The date of this recording is July 1st, literally a day and maybe a half after free agency period started. And before we get more into that, do want to shout out certain people. Shout out to Generic Sports for producing the instrumental in the background. You can check out more of his stuff at, at soundcloud.com slash generic sports. Also, shout out to Vince Correa, who designed the logo that you are looking at at your phone, the new My Mike and I logo. Also, the old Podfathers logo, too. So if you're listening to some of the older episodes and see that logo, also made by Vince. So shout out to him. Also, shout out to all the listeners. I think I just mentioned that earlier. Maybe I didn't. Who knows? But this podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. We'd really appreciate it if you guys help me promote the podcast in any form of way possible. It's just me out here producing the podcast, setting up interviews, trying to put out the best quality content that I can. So I'd really appreciate it if you guys could help promote the podcast in any form or fashion. Now, on to this week's episode. A lot of juicy stuff to talk about because on June 30th, as of 3 p.m. Pacific time, Free agency period opened up in the NBA, and so I had to have my NBA guy, RJ Saunders, hop on the show, and we basically break down everything that happened as of 5 o'clock Pacific time on Monday afternoon. I know there was a brief period of the episode where he asked me about Isaiah Thomas, and literally maybe two hours after we got done recording, Isaiah Thomas officially signed with the Washington Wizards. But as far as everything else goes, it looks like we're good. Keep fingers crossed. You know, I'm going to try and upload this as soon as I can. So if there's anything in between that time that I didn't announce in the episode or announce in the intro right here, then my apologies. But again, that's just how free agency works. But man, it's been a wild free agency. We talk about the Brooklyn Nets and their acquisitions, the Celtics and their acquisitions, all the trades that went down, all the big stuff, at least. I do mention it in the beginning, too. We're not going to cover all the all the signings and all the trades that we would like to but all the big stuff because there's a lot of there was a lot of trades and moves that really are going to alter the landscape in the NBA Um, it's going to be a very different looking NBA to come in 2019 without further ado check it out RJ Saunders and I chatting about the latest in NBA free agency hope you guys like it so RJ you and I had spoke maybe two days ago, and we're, we knew we were going to record this episode, and I had no idea that we were going to have this much to talk about. I mean, after such an eventful season, it follows up with even a crazier first day, first 24 hours of free agency, man. What, what are some of your overall impressions just from that first day of free agency? Over two, uh, what, $2.9 billion given out in contracts. No, we should have played basketball. <laughs> I, I'm over here working on my jumper tonight. Man, we should have we should have worked on our jumpers, man. Can I get in on some of this money? <laughs> but in, in all honesty, man, it really seems like a lot of these players and a lot of these teams were probably speaking weeks, if not months, before free agency. Because a lot of these moves happen really, really fast. Like the KD announcement, the Kyrie announcement, even some role players, Al Farouk Aminu and 
even Julius Randle to a degree for that $63 million deal, it seems like a lot of these guys kind of knew where they were headed before free agency even began. And I just think that's really a turn in what you see in the NBA. Normally the news wouldn't have gotten out as quickly as it did. Mm Mm-hmm. But you're really now seeing a change of the guard in the NBA where these players are now in control of how information gets out. Mm -hmm. So it's a really crazy time in the NBA. But, man, if I could get in on that $2.9 billion. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right, though. I felt like in the years past, maybe we heard of a few superstars here and there where they may be heading and, you know, but it was only a couple of players, like a handful of players that we knew in anticipation of the deadline actually starting where they were going to end up. But today, this, this year, just yesterday, you were right. There was a few players that as soon as, you know, that 3 PM, well, 3 PM Pacific time, 6 PM Eastern, as soon as that deadline hit, you know, like a wave of free agents were all signed. Um, we heard the rumors for some guys like Kemba, and other guys like right. that a couple of days beforehand. So you kind of already right. had an idea of some of the major superstars, a little bit more than we usually got. And so it definitely, I don't want to say it took away from the excitement because there was just so much excitement to follow up, even more excitement. So it was just like nonstop excitement. But uh, wow, like holy, holy cow, man, holy cow. <laughs> ben, I think the craziest thing is, I think it takes away from maybe the stories that you would hear about how a player was probably close to signing with one team and then a dozen and chooses another team. Like, case in point, I heard, I think it was Brian Windhorst was on Bill Simmons' podcast. I want to say it was him. And the craziest story that I've heard probably ever in free agency was the Tracy McGrady story he told. Mm -hmm. Basically, what he was saying was, there were rumors going around that McGrady was being, I don't want to say scouted, but I can't look for the words, or recruited by the Miami Heat. He goes to Alonzo Morning's house. It's on the water. They have the steak dinner. And then wouldn't you know it, a boat comes to Alonzo Morning's house. Lonzo looks at McGrady and says, "Hey, man, you want to go for you want to go for like a little drive on the yacht?" <laughs> and they just go across the water. The sun is setting. The lights are lit up in Miami. And wouldn't you know it, the boat stops at Pat Riley's house. Oh, Pat Riley is on the dock with a contract in his hand. And says, welcome to Miami. And McGrady says no. And goes to Orlando. Wow. Like, I I would love to hear those kind of stories. You know, like, well, what were the other pitches by the other team? Mm -hmm. I really feel like you kind of miss out on that drama and that excitement because of the player mobility that we see in the league today. But I'm 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 so in for it with the player mobility and the players able to have control over how their content gets out. Mm-hmm. But you really missed out on no kind. 
stories where it could have been, you know, hey, Durant was ready to go to the Clippers, and in the 11th hour, he gets a call from, let's just say, Patrick Ewing, and Patrick Ewing says, man, you got to come to the Knicks. Yeah. you got to go by the Knicks. And he says, you know, that's why I chose New York. But, you know, that's, that's the NBA we live in today. Yeah. And even to bring up a more recent story, I mean, even three years ago when Durant was first a free agent and he left OKC Thunder, you know, you had he he actually met with the Boston Celtics, the Clippers, and the Golden State Warriors. And I know, like, right. I follow the Celtics pretty religiously at that time. And so they had, you know, Isaiah Thomas, Al Horford, and he, they even right. brought Tom Brady and Big Poppy to that meeting where it's like, hey, right. KD, come be, like, the next Boston great. And they had, you know two other Boston greats. And so you like hearing stories like that. I just feel like right. now with the accessibility of technology, they're all probably doing this over the phone or on FaceTime or via Skype. They probably, I would say a lot of these guys who signed on the first day probably didn't meet in person with a team or a representative of that team. They did it somehow via over the phone, you know? Right. And I just think that that's the craziest thing now in the NBA. It's no longer the Pat Riley dumping the rings on the table in front of LeBron and saying, this is what we do. This is just kind of, these guys are talking. I mean, what is tampering really? Like you're finding these guys for tampering. Mm -hmm. It's not like these guys don't talk maybe every day, you know, KD and Kyrie, everybody's saying they're real close friends. Their close friends with DeAndre Jordan. Do you really think these guys weren't talking in, let's say, mid-January? No, without a doubt, they were. Guys. Yeah, even at the All Star break, they're talking. Uh, even at the All Star break, I mean, they're sitting in the hotel. You saw even at the All Star game with KD and Kyrie. You know, Kyrie. What everyone assumes is, you know, he's talking to Durant and saying, man, you know, they got two match slots, man, two match slots. Mm -hmm. You don't think these players talk about teaming up nowadays? It's kind of not like what I would like to believe, and I can't believe I'm talking about this. I'm a Laker fan. But even with the Celtics mm -hmm. and, you know, Garnett, Pierce, and Allen probably waited until the end of the season and, you know, Allen had already made the move to Boston. KG was wanting to stay loyal in Minnesota, but has a conversation with Billups and Tyron Lue. Mm -hmm. And they say, you know, man, if you want to win, you got to go to Boston. And I feel like you kind of miss that now because nothing's normally during the end of the season. I don't even think like a Garnett trade that was made for him to go to Boston was done the first day of free agency. That probably took some time. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. But now everything's just so quick, and the writing is now on the wall supremely quicker than it was maybe a decade ago. Like, everybody knew the writing was on the wall and that LeBron was coming to L.A., Two years before he actually came to L.A. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how crazy is that? Normally, you you know, would say, oh, well, he lives in L.A. in the summer, and, you know, he doesn't want to be in Cleveland during the summer months. 
But now people are able to read into it because these players are so open and they do so many things for them to be in the public eye. Even with the Durant signing, you know, he has his businesses in New York and he's friends with people from Rock Nation and Mm -hmm. all this other stuff that you want to say. Nothing's really secret in the NBA, especially with free agency, in my opinion. No, not anymore. You're right. And you mentioned KD having the friends in Rock Nation, uh, and it, it's a smart business move too on his behalf. I know a lot, a big reason, other than winning championships, he went to Golden State was also to kind of get that business mindset. And I've heard some things right. in a very similar fashion. His you know move to Brooklyn is is more it's it's about basketball, yes, but there's also the business mind aspect of it as well. You know, right. And how big is it now to really just be thinking of your brand this early kind of in your career? I mean, Shaq, what was that, 96? He wanted to act, and that's what the Lakers were trying to sell him. They were trying to sell him not only could you play for a historic franchise mm-hmm. like the Lakers, but you could also act. Now, he came out with a bad movie in Kazam. <laughs> But it came out with a movie nonetheless. Instagram kind of killed Hollywood a bit because it proved that you didn't need to be in a major market to expand your brand. Right. But you see a lot of these guys now, they're thinking about life after basketball at the age of 26 and 27 and 28. A lot of these guys probably would have been thinking about my next contract or what team am I going to be playing with? Mm -hmm. But now if you're a superstar player in the league, you're now thinking about your business ventures. It's a really different NBA. Right. So let's go ahead and, you know, go right into the moves. And we're speaking so much on Kevin Durant. How surprised were you that not only he signed to the Brooklyn Nets, but Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan also signed with the Brooklyn Nets. I'll say it was it was pretty surprising. Um, just due to the fact we had heard New York and the Knicks since maybe mid November, early December, Durant was gonna go to the Knicks. And maybe Kyrie was going to follow him. This was going to be the reviving of the Knicks. Because the thing was, like we've said in previous podcasts, the asterisk that was going to be by Kevin Durant's name was going to be, could he do it on his own? You went to a team that you were up three games to one against, you lost that lead, lost in a game seven. Mm-hmm. You joined the team that was 73-9 and nine and beat you that year. And now everyone wants to say, well, you know, all rings aren't created equal. He bandwagoned by hook or by crook. He went to the best team. Mm-hmm. And we're calling him the second best player in the NBA at the time. So now if he wants to kind of revive his whole career and his legacy, quote-unquote, he's got to go to the Knicks. 
But for me, I wasn't opposed if he went to Brooklyn. The last time Brooklyn went to the NBA Finals was, what, 2003? Mm-hmm, back when they were New Jersey. Back when they were New Jersey. And I feel like they have a better front office, better coaching staff, better owner, and a better young core. Now, how much did Zion not being drafted by the Knicks play into this? We'll all find out when either Kyrie or Kevin Durant come out with a book. <laughs> yeah, might take some time. <laughs> but, I mean, man, my hot take, which I told you about when we were talking, I don't know if Brooklyn's going to be good year one of both Kyrie and Durant being there. Oh, no. Glad I'm glad you said it because I'm on the same page, too. Uh, Kyrie obviously didn't work out in Boston the way everyone thought they would. A lot of drama right. off the court, personality-wise. KD is going to be out the whole year one, and even if they make the playoffs, unless it's like really deep playoff run, I don't see KD playing at all next year. DeAndre Jordan's kind of on the decline, and while, right. while they were able to accomplish so much under D'Angelo Russell, I think... I think there's going to be some definitely bumps and bruises that the Brooklyn Nets go through in that first year with Kyrie Irving as their point guard, and it's going to be surprising to them. I'm even thinking year two when Durant comes back. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about it, a lot of people, even Shanae Agumake, who tore her Achilles, I forget if that was in college or when she was in the WNBA, but she was saying, that's a year injury where you just have to stay off your foot for a good year. But once you're cleared to kind of put pressure on it, you're kind of learning how to walk all over again. Mm-hmm. And then I think the hurdle is going to be Kevin Durant trusting his body and saying, I'm going to make this move that I made 10 million times and know that I'm not going to pop my Achilles again. Then you also got to take into account, if he's not going to be on his foot, he's going to be sitting watching movies, (laughs) maybe catching up on The Office, (laughs) and he's going to be eating cookies and cakes. Right. The dude's going to pick up some weight. And so now he has to kind of get over that hurdle of being out of shape and playing his way back into basketball shape. Mm-hmm. So really, do we look at this as we have to wait until maybe year two and a half, year three, to see how this pans out in Brooklyn? I hope it's not. I hope Kevin Durant comes back and has a great recovery and a speedy one. But there's only one dude that was trying to come back in six months mm-hmm. from an Achilles injury, and that was Kobe. I think Durant's going to try to just let this take its course, but I think there's going to be some growing pains even in year two when Durant comes back. Oh, without a doubt. I think the personalities are going to clash too. You know, Kevin Durant's a little bit more of a sensitive guy, and Kyrie can be kind of outspoken. He kind of rubbed some Celtics players the wrong way last year. So I, I don't know. I just 
I feel like it's not going to be a match made in heaven and, you know, we can't already put them in the NBA Finals, whether it's year one or year two. I think they're going to struggle right. and it's it's going to be a struggle for them to get a, a top four seed the fall, the next three, three, two, three to three years in the in the playoffs. Whose team do you think it is? Durant or Kyrie? I think Kyrie makes a good case just because KD is going to be out year one. So even when Durant comes back, is it still Kyrie's team? It's kind of hard to you know make a claim as this is your team when you haven't played with them. I think Kyrie is going to have that year under his belt. So even in year two, I think it'll be still Kyrie's team. Do you think that's going to affect KD at all? Because this is supposed to be KD. Right, right. You know, quote, I know. Quote, redemption. That's what I'm saying. I think that's why there's going to be another clash war of the Warriors 2.0. You know, there's instead of Curry this time, it's it's Kyrie. That's going to be crazy, man. Mm-hmm. That's going to be crazy because everybody already has Brooklyn by year two going to the NBA Finals. You kind of see it on Twitter. People are saying, you know, Brooklyn's going to take over year two once Durant comes back. Mm-hmm. And if he's clashing with, quote-unquote, one of his good friends in Kyrie Irving, what's going to be the narrative? What's the story if this doesn't work out and they don't win a ring? They took less than what they could have gotten from their previous teams mm-hmm. to team together. I would have to feel, especially in that New York market, they would be feeling the heat if they don't get a championship. Oh, without a doubt, it's- it's championship or bust now in Brooklyn. Has to be. Has to be. Well, speaking of the New York teams, and we mentioned the Knicks earlier, I got to ask you, RJ, who do you think is more upset, New York Knicks fans or Washington Wizards fans? Because <laughs> both those teams are miserable right now. Both of them got to be bad. <laughs> I got to say the Knicks. I really feel like the Knicks really thought everything was going to go their way. And for a long time, I'll say probably even during the beginning of the season, you thought that it was going to be Zion Williamson, Kevin Durant, and either Kyrie or Kimba. Or AD. Or AD with the Knicks. And this was going to be... The Knicks being revived and the NBA would be great because the Knicks are good again. The Knicks were really gung-ho on we're going to take over in Mm 2019-2020. The Wizards, I really feel like they thought they would have been much further along and they would have been a contending team for at least the last four or five years. But John Wall, you give him that bogus, horrible contract, which I don't think anybody else in the NBA would have given him, injury or not. Mm -hmm. Bradley Bill's coming to his own, but he's only one guy. You lost out on the Kevin Durant sweet stakes when he eventually went to Golden State. Washington really thought they were on the cusp of having this figured out. And now you look at them, and they're probably going to be a team that you say, man, injuries got to them. Mm -hmm. 
But I got to say the Knicks have to be the more miserable team because everybody was pouring so much stock into them. Just like they were pouring into the Clippers, but you guys are the JV team in Los Angeles. (laughs) And now, New York, the Knicks, are the JV team in New York. Yeah, you got to say that, man. It's it's weird to see that power shift over to Brooklyn because Brooklyn was always that little brother. But I think after this, man, New York, it's going to be a long battle back. And I think they're going to lose plenty of fans over the next three years. I mean, obviously, there's the lifers, that, the older generation. But all these young kids that, you know, really like basketball and follow KD, follow Kyrie, they're going to love watching Brooklyn and not the Knicks. If you were James Dolan, would you still have offered KD the max? I still would have, yes. And that's there were reports that he didn't want to offer him the max, right? Right, because he wanted to look at his physicals. And, I mean, I don't blame him because when you look at KD, he's had his fair share of injuries. Now this Achilles tear that he had, this is something new, but remember what, he had that Jones fracture when he was in OKC. He's had his fair share of calf injuries. I think he had a knee injury on his left knee, I think that was. So it's not like Kevin Durant's been the perfect bill of health like he, since he came into the league. Mm-hmm. But still, I mean, man, come on. I think if KD comes back and he's a New York Knicks-style Carmelo Anthony, that's still better than half the league. And if he's a Carmelo Anthony that's now seven-foot, lanky, and can score whenever he wants. How do you not offer this guy a contract? It's not like this guy is done with basketball or he's not going to be able to play anymore. Mm -hmm. He's just going to be a different version of himself. Right. And if you're James Dolan and you just don't give him a max because of his Achilles, I mean, that says enough about James Dolan, doesn't it? Oh, without a doubt. And it's not like the Knicks were going to be competitive year one. I think no. I think KD's Achilles injury, if anything, played into their favor. They didn't have to rush KD back year one. Let RJ and Kevin Knox and all those young guys kind of grow. Still be a lottery team next year. Get another, let's say, top five, top seven pick. And you have another weapon to go with KD finally year two when he's healthy. It's not. I, I didn't see why he wouldn't still offer him the max. It just seemed like a head scratcher to me. I think what's even a bigger head scratcher is KD declining $221 million from Golden State. Ooh, yeah, that's a good point. In an era where this has been a get-your-money-first league and then worry about the championship, Kevin Durant already got his ring. I would have thought he would have said, you know what? If I come back 80% of what I was and I'm still in Golden State, that's enough to probably win at least one more ring. Maybe not the next year, but maybe the year after. Mm -hmm. And for him to go to Brooklyn and take, what, 
164 million. He really had to dislike it in Golden State this past season and what they said to him, especially Draymond Green, for him to say, you know what, I'd rather team with my best friend than stay in Golden State and take over $200 million in guaranteed dollars. Yeah, it's a head-scratcher. I mean, I fell for the bait after the NBA Finals when, you know, there were reports that Clay and KD were texting each other saying, you know, oh, we got some unfinished business, quote-unquote, to take care of next year. And I kind of thought, oh, man, they're, they're both going to return. They're both going to um, stick this out in, uh, in Golden State and go on and extend this dynasty even longer than what we had thought. But you're right. I think he just, I think he took some time to himself, KD did, thought about his decisions. And I think he just needed a fresh start. I mean, from the beginning, it seemed like they were working chemistry-wise, but then you were hearing it from the fans. And then after maybe the fans kind of quieted down and he won those two finals MVPs, you know, that, and then you have the whole drama with him and Draymond earlier in the year. So it just it just seemed like the right business decision and basketball decision for him to leave Golden State and start somewhere new. Do you think he's trying to win the fans and supporters back by going to Brooklyn? See, I don't, I don't know if that move to Brooklyn really changes too many people's perspective, just like the common NBA fan. That's what I was going to ask you later is, is the common NBA fan still mad at Kevin Durant? That's a good question. I don't know if you can be right now, especially after the Achilles injury. Right. Because, I mean, he came back when nobody was forcing him to come back. I know that they were probably saying, hey, KD, we need you, KD, KD, KD. But he didn't have to play. No, not at all. And for him to play and rupture his Achilles, the narrative now kind of changed to where it's, oh, man, he gave his all for his teammates. He put it all on the line. What a warrior. Mm -hmm. No pun intended. (laughs) But if you're still mad at him after that, uh, I just feel like that's your own personal thing because, like I said in the last podcast after we did when the Raptors won the finals, mm-hmm. that Miami team, we were talking about teams, you know, that were great teams of this decade. You look at highlights of that Miami team, you're like, man, that was a fun group. Yeah, it was. I think you're going to say the same thing in the next five years about Golden State. You're going to be like, man, we hated them. But, man, that was a fun team. 100%. That, that, that's what I got to feel. I mean, honestly. I'll say we, we always like to appreciate or we always like to hate on the greatness as we are living in it. But then we appreciate them much later on. I think that's the case for the Warriors, you know. Really... Even how they built the team, sure, KD was the only free agent, like big free agent to join the team and make it even a, a bigger super team. But how guys like Curry, Clay, and Draymond were really developed into the system. They took a chance on Sean Livingston. They took a chance on Andre Iguodala. It, it just seemed like, man, that was a fun team, and they were built kind of like the right way. 
here's how I kind of look at it. You may want to put, you know, a dent in Durant's legacy because he left and went to a 73-9 and team that he lost to. But when you think about it, KD extended Golden State's legacy. Mm-hmm. Because no team has been at the top where they've dominated the league besides Russell Celtics for more than three years. The Bulls won six in ten years, but that was only three and three. Shaq and Kobe's Lakers only at the top for three years. Mm-hmm. Kobe and Powell's Lakers only at the top for two. You could argue three because they went to the NBA Finals. Miami went to the NBA Finals, what was that, two out of They went four times, one, two. Right. San Antonio never repeated he extended the legacy. You have to give it to him. Like him or not, like the move he did or not, he extended an entire legacy. Mm-hmm. What does that team look like? And I know I'm repeating myself from a previous spot, but what does that Warriors team look like after they lose in 2016 and let's say Harrison Barnes leaves? Right. What does that team look like? Is there a new team that we're looking at Mm-hmm. and calling them the next quote-unquote dynasty if the Warriors lose in 2016 and they don't run it back. Yeah, and I and I think for that reason, Warrior fans will always forever be grateful for Kevin Durant as long as he lives. He can do no wrong to that fan base no matter what happens in the future. They're always going to pray. They're going to build a shrine out for him in San Francisco. Shout out to Joe Lacob, though, for saying they're going to retire his jersey. Shout yeah. out to him. Yeah, well-deserved. Really is. I mean, they have to understand that KD was going to get a lot of flack for it, for making that move. But what's crazy now to hear, and I wanted to get your opinion on it, KD never felt that he was equal to Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to me. That is crazy. <laughs> Especially I mean, because, and I think somebody said it in our group chat, Clay and Steph try to do everything humanly possible to take a step back and make this guy the centerpiece mm-hmm. of the team. Everybody knew the face of the team was Steph. But our best player, quote-unquote, is Kevin Durant. Mm -hmm. And for him to say, I spent three years here and felt like the second fiddle to Steph Curry, that's amazing how they weren't able to get along because it feels like Curry's probably one of the most relatable players in the NBA, probably in NBA history. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it was more of a fan base thing. I mean, just KD going to Golden State. Golden State loved Curry from the beginning, and and he was like kind of their first, one of the first of that group, that core that that eventually went on to win three NBA titles. So I think no matter you know who was gonna come to the Warriors at that point or whenever point, it's always gonna be Curry's team. And so if KD come can't, expected to come in 
and be like, oh, this is my Warriors team now. I think he was in the wrong. That's that's Curry's team. Even if you are the better player, you got to know the fan base has hundreds of times. 100 times more love for Curry than, you know, you'll ever get. So now that's kind of just my only question with Brooklyn now. Was he the main guy saying, hey, Kyrie, we're going to Brooklyn, or was it Kyrie kind of persuading him? Mm -hmm. If they won a championship, do they say this was Kyrie's team or was this KD's team? And I know probably once they retire – they're going to say whose team it was didn't mean anything. You know that KD it means something. Right. KD's trying to revive whatever that means at this point, but revive his legacy and get in good with, like you said, the common NBA fan. Right. But it shouldn't matter at this point, should it? He won his two rings, two finals MVPs, He's a surefire Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. What's he got left to prove? It should, Besides winning it on his own. It shouldn't matter at all, but we know KD as that guy who kind of gets bothered by things. I mean, it's the same reason why he built or created those burner accounts because he obviously is, you know, in maybe, not want to say insecure, but for lack of a better word, he just he doesn't like to hear that outside noise and outside criticism regardless of what he, he has accomplished. This is going to be a very exciting NBA season because you're, we're going to be talking about Durant, and Durant's not going to be playing for an entire year. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be sad. I just wonder if this Brooklyn team is the team that takes the next step. I don't know. I think they have a better core than what New York had in the Knicks. But this team made the playoffs for the first time. Right. Is Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, are they ready to take the next step? That's going to be something we're going to have to see even when Brooklyn makes the playoffs this season. Mm -hmm. And then we'll have to see the dynamic with Kevin Durant. Mm -hmm. And I hate to use the Boston you know, experiment as an example with Kyrie and it, it I, but to play devil advocate to my own argument is that N- Brooklyn Nets young court, like Spencer Dewey, Karis Lever and Jared Allen, the guys you just mentioned, even Joe Harris, you can throw in there guys like that. They never played big minutes. They don't have big time experience in contrast to Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, just the year before when Kyrie went out during the postseason. You know, those three young guys, along with Al Horford and, and company, they were able to carry the Celtics all the way to Eastern Conference Finals game against LeBron and right. the Cavs. So they had those egos going in like, oh, shit, like we're, we're the hot, you know, we're the hot shots now. This is our team. And then Kyrie came back, and sure enough, even Gordon Hayward come back. And so I think it was right. just, you know, it was a mess from the beginning. And, you know, to those people who are arguing, like myself included, oh, Kyrie didn't work out in Boston. It's not going to work out in Brooklyn. While I do want to, you know, I hope that happens, I, I, I got to play devil's advocate and think too, well, the Brooklyn guys, they never had that peak moment. And they, I mean, who knows, they might be better, better fit as role players to Kyrie's game. Could we make that argument though? I think so. Small argument. <laughs> I mean, take that Brooklyn team and let's just have D'Angelo Russell on that team. Mm-hmm. 
take away Kyrie from Boston and we put those guys team against team, what team are you taking? I, I, I think I still got to take the Celtics with, you know, Tatum, Brown over D'Angelo Russell. That, I mean, that's kind of my thing. I don't know if this team, we're just going to have to see it coming up this season if this Brooklyn team is ready to take the next step. Mm-hmm. Because you can go to a place on the strength that you just want to be in a certain place. But it's really going to take that that chemistry and just making sure that these guys are ready to take that next jump. And a lot of these guys haven't been in situations yet to where they've had to be called upon in a five-minute, six-minute stretch to bring a game home. Mm-hmm. And Kyrie, if he's going to be the quote-unquote cancer that everyone wants to say he was in the locker room in Boston and he didn't really dig living in Boston, what's going to be his thing if they get off to a rocky start in Brooklyn? Yeah. Is he going to be okay with that? Or if he gets injured, let's just say, God forbid, but let's just say he gets injured. Mm-hmm. And Brooklyn goes, let's just say, 17-5 and five without him. Is Kyrie now having heat flashes and nightmares? <laughs> and saying this is Boston all over again? I just really feel like there's too many variables with Kyrie. Yeah. And... I could be wrong, and you can tell me whether or not I'm wrong. I think besides the fact that Kyrie wanted to play with Kevin Durant, I think that he still wants to prove that he can win without LeBron. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right on that aspect, and I think he still wants to to prove – I mean, I think he himself, I think now at this point of his career, he's kind of – because he went to Boston and he was going to be their, you know, main superstar. But I think he realizes now he has to be the team's, a uh, championships team's second fiddle. He can't be their best option, but he can be their second best option. And I think that's what he's hoping for when Kevin Durant comes back, that he could play second fiddle to KD and hopefully go on a championship run. I just wonder how long that's going to take. Because, like I said, you're going to be waiting on KD to get in full basketball shape, and that may take half an NBA season, if not a full NBA season. Mm-hmm. And if Kyrie just gets comfortable and, you know, hey, I'm averaging, let's just say, 23, 5, and 5. I'm kind of liking it here. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of liking being the main guy. Yeah. So, I think that's going to be a thing that we look at. That That's just me. Mm-hmm. So, just to move on to a different topic, because we, we spent, uh, you know, a good 40 minutes talking about Brooklyn Nets and uh, KD and all them. And to the listeners out there, too, we're going to try and cover as much as we can, but, you know, sorry if we can't get to all the moves because, you know, Garrett Temple to Brooklyn is not as important as some of these other moves we want to talk about. (laughs) But I think the next biggest move that was announced in those first, you know, 12 hours, and this was a pretty quick one too, Kemba Walker to the Celtics in a sign-in trade 
Terry Rozier goes to the Charlotte Hornets, and they give him a fat three-year, $58 million contract. From short Charlotte's side of it, do you think they gave up too quickly and just kind of had to settle and panicked and with getting Terry Rozier as their starting point guard? Michael Jordan, you are a clown. <laughs> Why give Rozier... Listen, he's a baller. He's a hooper. But $58 million? Mm-hmm. He's never started in the league. Come on, MJ. That's like you giving up a, a Bentley and saying, I'll take an O2 Chevy. I'm not comparing Rozier to an O2 Chevy. <laughs> but what I'm saying is you had an all-star player in Kimball Walker. Nah, I don't want to match him. I'll take Terry Rozier. Mm-hmm. What? I know you didn't like the move. No, that's got to be disappointing for Hornets fans. You know, they I mean, and they don't really have anything to look forward to next year. I mean, their nucleus guys are going to be Malik Monk and Terry Rozier. I can't even maybe Michael Kidd Kill Kid Gilchrist can turn it around, but I mean, there's really I I feel like attendance is going to be super low in Charlotte next year. There's really not too much to look forward to next season. And is this a rebuild? Are we calling this a rebuild? I mean, it seems like Charlotte's been rebuilding forever. Because mm-hmm. they really haven't been, let's just say, a better than average team since they were named the Bobcats and Steven Jackson was there with Jason Richardson and Gerald Wallace. Mm-hmm. What are we calling this? <laughs> I mean, you've never been in a situation where we said, you know, Charlotte's a pretty good team. Yeah. You know what we call this, it's RJ? It's never been like Jordan's broken the bank for them. Mm-hmm. You know what we call this, RJ? What? We call th- we call this the angel zone. And if you're a baseball fan, the angels have kind of been floating in this middle ground, too. I mean, they have they do spend some money and get some good players, and they don't end up working out. They're afraid to spend money in certain positions. But the angels, I feel like in the last 10 years – especially living down the street and going to a lot of games. I mean, they really haven't – they have the best player in the world, and they, they really can't put together right. a winning season. They're not really rebuilding. They're just kind of in this middle of the pack. And I feel like that's that's right. what you're trying to explain with the the short, the short Charlotte Hornets and the or the Bobcats. That is great. I'm going to take that from you one of these days. <laughs> I'm taking that. All right, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but, man – when is Jordan just going to be like, listen, man, hey, this is how the NBA goes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to dig into that pocketbook. I got enough money from Jordan brand. Let me spend some money on some guys. Yeah. I mean, Malik Monk has been, I don't know where, for the last two years. And this guy was a beast at Kentucky. And barely saw the floor. So basically, you're building around him, Rozier, and Bridges. Mm-hmm. I forgot about him. What are we looking at? Another seven years before we can say you guys are decent? <laughs> Yeesh. Oh, God, Jordan, you're a clown. Yeah. 
And what do you think about it for Boston, though? That's good. I was just about to ask you the same thing. I, for Boston, the Celtics, I think it's not an upgrade. I, I would take Kyrie over Kemba any day as an individual player. But I feel like Kemba's just already going to come in with a better attitude. He's going to be willing to share the ball, just mesh a little bit more with that locker room and not say kind of puzzling things that make the young guys kind of feel insecure about themselves. I think, you know, you trade off a little bit of skill set in losing Kyrie, but you get, you know, almost all of it back with Kemba and that chemistry. I mean, I don't know if you ever played franchise mode in 2K and and chemistry was so important on the team, right? I think oh, yeah. I think Kemba's going to boost that, you know, chemistry at least 10% and I think the younger guys are going to be happier. It sucks they lost Horford because I would have really liked to see that team with Horford and Kemba. But uh, I, I think this is going to be really good for Boston, and the, especially the young guys and the, the development of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. How much is Horford leaving going to hurt Boston, do you think? Uh, it's tough because like Hor- Horford's basically what Kemba is. While Horford, because Horford's up there in age, he's been playing you know in the NBA for, I want to say, double-digit years at least now. And while he may not give you the same explosiveness, he's a good locker room guy, will play solid defense, he communicates really well, he can cover one through five on pick and roll switches. I mean, he's a very versatile big man. And like I said, even though he's not as explosive as he used to be, that leadership and that chemistry in the locker room, I mean, that's what's going to be missed the most. Do you think cancer helps at all? Oh, cancer for sure. I you know, we talked about it in the group chat, but I, I like Cantor because he's just a he's an all-out hustler. And if you remember right. in that 2008 championship team, the Celtics, um, with when they had Pierce, Ray, and KG in the years to follow, I think Cantor can kind of play that big baby role where he – I think Cantor may okay. be asked to start, but big baby, you know, he came off the bench and just gave really, like, hard minutes. He was hustling, diving for loose balls, setting screens. I think Kander's going to come and be that guy because that's what he was for Portland last year. He was, and he came in at a really good time for the Blazers. Mm-hmm. I just wonder now, and Bill Simmons kind of made a question, does Tatum take that next step? He didn't have a great year last year. Do you think Tatum's taking that next step this year? If he doesn't, man, there's going to be a lot of question marks in Boston and especially towards Danny Ainge. But I got my faith in Jason Tatum. I'm willing to put money that he's going to – the more of what we saw his rookie year, we're going to see a lot of that in year three because I just think Kyrie and the chemistry and just I think the ball moves a little less with Kyrie Irving in the offense because a lot of times you get kind of caught just ball watching. And if Kyrie does pass you the ball, it's more of like a catch-and-shoot scenario. So I think right. Stevens will be able to draw more play, plays out for Jason Tatum with Kemba on the team, and then Kemba can set up Jason Tatum a little earlier in the shot clock. And, and you know what I mean? I just feel like overall Jason Tatum's really going to benefit from this. Do you think that's going to be the narrative if Boston comes out the gate and they're just beasting and feasting on the rest of the East? It's going to be Kyrie was the problem all along. Mm-hmm. I know that's what fan. That's another. I know that's what I'm gonna be saying, and I know that's what a lot of the fans are gonna be saying too. Is that fair? Eh, it's hard to. Eh, I don't know. That's a tough question, but I mean, you heard the things Kyrie said. That that has to be 
that right. has to be you know dem- demoting and and uh hurts that ego of the young players especially you know i'm i'm sure he rubbed some players the wrong way and when you're a young guy in the nba just trying to find your niche trying to find your spot on a, a really competitive team too at that so you're also trying to win games really quickly and, and every other night i think it hurts your ego a lot and and a guy like Kyrie, man it I think to get him out of the locker room, we'll see. But I think Kemba's going to really help these young guys flourish in Boston. I'm excited for the Celtics. I know that's coming from a Laker fan as well. <laughs> but I'm excited for Boston, man. I think that they really haven't taken that much of a step back. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be a very, very solid team in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. But a lot of teams in the East did take a step forward, though. Yeah, I felt like a lot of teams all around the league took a step forward. We just we just mentioned Portland not too long ago, and I want to talk about them. But how did you feel about them making the moves? For They they dumped Evan Turner, Myers Leonard, but they got back Hazon Whiteside. They also signed, re-signed Rodney Hood. I felt like they made a lot of key moves to get back in the hunt of things, especially, I think, in, the, in a more wide-open Western Conference next season. And also picking up Kent Bazemore. Right, that's right. I forgot to mention him, yeah. And I think Bazemore is going to be a terrific help. My only question for Portland, because they've been doing this for years now and they really haven't found that success, how long is it going to be until Portland really decides to put some money into a guy at the three position that gets nothing but buckets. Mm-hmm. They've been trying to do this thing of doing small forwards by committee for at least the last five years, and it hasn't worked. Hood gave you some flashes, especially in the playoffs. is going to do his thing. Whiteside was a good pickup because he's going to be able to block shots going to be able to get rebounds. Mm-hmm. And I think Miami is going to be good for him. It really seemed like Spolstra's system just didn't fit him anymore, and I think he's just going to be a guy... I don't know. Will you ma- I don't think that he's going to like the fact that all he's going to be doing is setting screens and rim running. Mm-hmm. Because when he was in Miami, at least that first year, he was a crucial part of that offense. Uh-huh. But and, everybody knows in Portland this is surrounded by Dame and CJ McCollum. Mm-hmm. What does that three position look like? Because you're still doing it by committee. I want to see what Portland's able to do. I mean, these are the Western Conference Finals runner-ups. But did they really take a huge step forward? Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to be looking at that. Yeah, and this may be a hot take, but and I forgot to mention him right now, but the Portland Trailblazers did sign Mario Hajonia, and he was kind of, in, you know, he was one of those prospects. That, he came out in the year Kristaps Porzingis did. He went to the Magic. Right. He didn't really find a spot in the Magic. Then they traded him to, you know, basketball hell in New York with the Knicks last season. And he gets a new start in Portland, and... You know, he never really averaged more than nine points a game during his career, but I feel like he could potentially be that answer just because from watching him 
when he was first drafted, I thought, you know, so highly of him. I thought he was going to be one of those Europeans to really break out. And I don't think they're going to need him to do a lot now, especially with Whiteside. I think Whiteside can contribute a little bit more than some of the bigs last year. And especially when Nurkic comes back, you're going to have Nurkic, Whiteside, McCollum, and Lillard as your starting five. All I think Hajonia needs to do is be able to provide, you know, quality three and D play, maybe average 14, 15 points a game, and play some solid defense. I think he's able to do so, especially in a better set system with Terry Stotts as the head coach. I think if he can average 15 points a game, I think he probably found your answer mm-hmm. at small forward. I mean, granted, it's not one of the big-time small forwards in the league. Right. But, I mean, look at Rodney Hood. I mean, some people wanted to call it a career for Rodney Hood when they saw the performance he was giving in Cleveland. And he was crying. (laughs) He didn't want to play basketball no more. Then he goes to Portland and he's tearing it up. Maybe the same thing for Hazonia. And I think it's an upgrade over Alfarica Minu. That's just my opinion, but I think that's an upgrade. I think you probably can't take away the defense that he brought. He guarded the other team's best player. Mm -hmm. And I think that may bite him later on down the line. And in some ways it has. But I think Kent gave more answers that for you. This is a guy that can play defense. Mm -hmm. I mean, you haven't seen it a lot. Granted, he's been in Atlanta. But now on a team that's going to get a little bit of TV time on ESPN and TNT, we're going to be able to see that Kent Bazemore is one of the better defenders in the NBA. What what other move was made? Well, a pretty active team uh, It was the Milwaukee Bucks. They signed Wesley Matthews, but they also lost Malcolm Brogdon. You think... You think Malcolm Brogdon is gonna the loss of him is gonna be a huge loss for the Bucks next season? Somebody had said they felt Milwaukee took a step back. Mm-hmm. Just because Brogdon's a good locker room guy, he's a good system guy. And I'm really trying to figure out right now who's gonna be your third scorer in Milwaukee right now. Mm-hmm. Because that was Brogdon. So you got Giannis. Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton. Are you saying Brooke Lopez? <laughs> I, I, I think you're going to have to. He's going to be thrusted into that situation because it sure as hell not going to be Bledsoe or Wesley Matthews. Because Bledsoe, he's not a guy that can bring the game home in the last six minutes of the game. We saw that in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So now this is really Giannis kind of doing this by himself again. I know he's got Middleton, but Middleton's really not a guy, at least in my opinion, where it's like, hey, man, you know, I'm going to sit on the bench for the next eight minutes. Can you take over the offense for me? Mm -hmm. I haven't seen that yet. And I know I haven't watched a lot of Milwaukee basketball, but I haven't seen it. I think that Giannis, this is going to be the first time we may see him frustrated. No, without a and doubt. And may say we're top heavy as weak. Mm-hmm. 
Saw it in the playoffs. He struggled. Big time. Big time. Especially when they had a top-tier defender like Kawhi. Now, granted, not everybody has Kawhi Leonard as a defender. But when you put a defender on him that's going to sit in the chair and slide with him, have you found the Achilles heel in Giannis? I don't know yet. Uh Uh-huh. But I really feel like there's going to be something that's going to be shown this season with Milwaukee in the loss of Malcolm Brogdon. Because at least Brogdon bought you time. Right. Now you're basically going to be asking Giannis to really get you out of a jam time and time again. And like you said, with the league getting better and guys teaming up, Giannis is going to figure out he can't do this on his own. I feel like he's probably one of the last players that wants to team up with another superstar. But I think he's going to get with the program if Milwaukee can't get him another star. Mm -hmm. And now to talk about the other end of that trade, because Brogdon got traded to the Pacers for two first, or no, excuse me, one first and two seconds. Did you feel like, the Pacers kind of overpaid because I know the Pacers have a pretty good squad. They did lose Bogdanovich and they did lose Thaddeus Young. But you're looking at a squad with Brogdon, Oladipo, and Miles Turner. Is that squad better, the same, or worse than they were last year? I don't think that squad got any better, in my opinion. It seems like they gave up a lot, right? Right. I, I just don't feel, especially to give him $85 million. He's a good player. Mm-hmm. But eighty-five million, good. I mean, no, where they handing out these contracts? Can we get in on it? <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Tonight I'm gonna be working on my jumper. Uh, listen, I'm gonna be working <laughs> on my dribbling drills. Yeah. And my free throws. Eighty-five million dollars for a guy. You're now asking him to be. I feel like you're asking him to be the starting two guard. You're gonna move all the people to the three spot. Mm-hmm. And then you have to figure out who's going to be your point guard. That's a wild, wild, wild contract that you gave him for what basically now you're asking him to do. You're asking him to essentially be your second best guy on the team, and he can't be anything less than that. Yeah. I think I think what they're expecting out of him pairing him with Elodipo's to try and come close to what Lillard and CJ have going on in Portland in a much weaker Eastern Conference. But I think, you know, that core of Brogdon, Oladipo, and Miles Turner, I'm not sure that's capable of getting a top four seed in the East next year. Let's see. Who would be teams better than Indiana? So... The Celtics. Celtics. You got the Raptors, depending if Kawhi comes back. Of course, he would have the Raptors as the favorite. Mm-hmm. The Sixers, the Bucks. Oh man, the Sixers. 
<laughs> and the Bucks. Right. And then I would say probably even the Brooklyn Nets. And then you got to put Brooklyn as a five seed. Yeah. But they're still a well-coached team. I have to give it to Nate McMillan, especially after what he did without Victor Oladipo. Mm-hmm. But this is a very different Indiana team now. And even Detroit, they got better maybe. I don't know yet. I think they need to put some shooters around Blake and Romans. It seems like Reggie Jackson is just, he's not worth that kind of money for him to be your starting point guard. Right. Well, they did get I don't Derek... know if Rose is going to be right. Minnesota Derrick Rose. It's going to be a different Indiana team. I do have a question for you about my Lakers, though. All right, go ahead. Would you be waiting on a Kawhi Leonard? It's already been what's going to be in a couple hours, two days, and you're still kind of waiting on Kawhi. Mm-hmm. And here's the blessing and the curse of it all. Because the Lakers did it maybe five, seven years ago. I'm probably going way late, so I'll probably say five years ago. But it was when LaMarcus Aldridge was a free agent. Oh, that's right. And Ed Davis had a good year for the Lakers. But the Lakers thought that they had a chance of getting LaMarcus Aldridge. So they asked Ed Davis, I don't know if they really asked him this, but basically you were saying, hey, could you wait like three days because we're trying to get Marcus Aldridge here? And if we can't get him, then we'll offer you a contract. Right. He ends up leaving. I think he went to Memphis after that. A lot of the depth that was supposed to be quote-unquote on the Lakers' radar has gone elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Seth Curry, Bobby Portis, even Patrick Beverly to a degree, he stayed with the Clippers. Uh-huh. DeAndre Jordan, guys like that. If you're an owner of a team or if you're the president of basketball operations, do you say, you know what, I'm going to wait until I know for certain that Kawhi is saying no? Or would you say, man, I got to build around this team that I can right now? Yeah. That's tough because it seems like we were talking about at the beginning of the recording that it's kind of gone are the days when players would go to team to team and meet with them. But that kind of seems like what Kawhi is doing, and he's taking that slow approach where – Kawhi, he's he's meeting with certain teams, he's meeting with the Clippers, the Lakers, but he's kind of taking his time in the essence that he's not rushing any decisions, but that's kind of screwing over the Lakers because they don't have that time to go, or they don't have that availability now to go over those role players. I mean, just like other role players that have been signed, I mean, we heard that the Lakers were interested in D'Angelo Russell. I know they had some interest in Austin Rivers. You mentioned it too. Pat Bev is gone. Seth Curry is gone. All these solid role players that, let's say they do strike out on Kawhi, they're, I don't know who they're going to fill the roster with. Who? I mean, what? You're basically going to say you're going to bring last year's team back? Oh, I'm sorry. They all went to New Orleans. 
Yeah, I know. I mean, so what? Lance Stevenson, Rajon Rondo. McGee. McGee, you overpay for DeMarcus Cousins, maybe. You bring in J.R. Smith. You bring in Jeff Green. You bring in Carmelo Anthony. Mm-hmm. Great. I don't know. I think, like you said, it's the blessing and the curse of you deciding whether or not you want to wait on a top-tier guy or not. Mm -hmm. I think for Kawhi Leonard, yeah, you wait. But when you see how quickly guys like Kevin Durant and Kemba Walker and Kyrie Irving made their decisions and those being top-tier guys, you got to be like, man, what is Kawhi doing? Just make a decision. Right. <laughs> because I really feel like Kawhi somewhat, even though we say he's a guy that you could never really figure out, I think he has the idea in his mind where he wants to go. Mm -hmm. But I think he wants to be different, and he doesn't want to quickly choose a team like everybody else did. Mm -hmm. But Kawhi, man, I'm telling you, you're giving me heart palpitations. Make a decision. <laughs> Or can somebody lock him in the house like they did DeAndre Jordan with the Clippers? Oh. <laughs> oh, man. But just just to update you, RJ, on some of the available free agents, and this is was of, uh, this was as of two hours ago, so it may not be entirely accurate, but you have Kawhi, you have Boogie, you have Danny Green, Marcus Morris, and then after that, it's kind of, I mean, these are very, you're almost reaching for these guys. And as a Laker, you know, as, as a Laker fan, I'm sure you don't want to overpay for these guys. But some of the other guys deeper on the list are Jermichael Green, DeLon Wright, Kelly Oubre, who's a restricted free agent, Willie Cauley-Stein, Jabari Parker. I mean, none of those guys really sound like, you know, too confident of guys that you want to put around AD and LeBron in L.A. No, uh, no, uh, no. <laughs> I mean, Stein, this is why I'm saying, and I've been sold on signing Willie Collie Stein. Rebound, block shots, rim run. All things that it seems like A.B. doesn't want to do at the center position. True. That's true. And he's young. And he's young, and I like him better than JaVale McGee. That's my opinion. I don't want to pay for DeMarcus Cousins. I don't know how that quad is. He needs to lose some weight, and it doesn't look like he's going to. It seems like even if the Lakers get Kawhi, which I'm hoping that they do, I'm knocking on every piece of wood every time I see a piece of wood. <laughs> but basically, you're pairing A.D., LeBron, and Kawhi with LeBron's super friends. Mm -hmm. Look at all the guys that they're saying could be signing with the Lakers. Kyle Krover, Jeff Green, J.R. Smith, Carmelo Anthony. All LeBron James guys. Yeah. I mean, are you fine with that? And with this being a copycat league, and you're understanding that you need depth, yeah, you need depth, but if you look at it from the standpoint of Toronto, 
with the exception of Lowry, Mark Gasol, and Serge Ibaka, you had a pretty young core as far as depth went. The Lakers would be taking a minor step back. You would be better than half the league if you got Kawhi, yes. But when you do these load management games, mm-hmm. and you say Kawhi, you know, he's not going to play for 10 to 12 games during the regular season. LeBron's not going to play for 12 to 15. Anthony Davis is not going to play for 10 to 12. That team doesn't look good when you're saying those three guys are sitting out and now you're relying on, let's say, Rajon Rondo, J.R. Smith, and Carmelo Anthony to get you a win on the road. Yeah, and don't forget Alex Caruso. (laughs) Thank you, Noah. Alex Alex Caruso. (laughs) Alex Caruso. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Uh, Like, you're really... You're taking a gamble here. And you're hoping that Kawhi is going to sign with the Lakers. I know that you're saying... If Kawhi signs with the Lakers, we'll figure everything else out. Mm-hmm. But the rest of these free agents, these aren't young guns. No. You're going to be looking at an older group. And LeBron, wasn't that his complaint when he was in Cleveland, his final year in Cleveland, that we needed to get younger? Yep. LeBron, yeah, you may get Kawhi, you may get AD, and that's great, and you may be a top team in the West, but now you're getting these older players, and yeah, they may be quote-unquote shooters, but you never know, one minor injury, you may be without that guy for two months. Even if you're saying you're going to sign Andre Iguodala, Possibly once he gets bought out by Memphis. This isn't a young Philadelphia 76ers Andre Godala. No, not at all. It's a blessing and a curse when you're waiting for a superstar, but I don't know if this is going to hinder the Lakers. I hope it doesn't. As a Laker fan, I hope it doesn't. But being a part of the media... And just stepping back and taking the fandom out of it, I'm scared, man. I'm scared for the Lakers. <laughs> hey, RJ, you know you who... You think the Clippers are mad right now? What was that? You think the Clippers are mad right now? Oh, for sure. They're, they're part of the waiting process, too. But at least they were still active enough to go after Patrick Beverly and kind of lock up that guy and bring him back. So... You can keep you can keep that core from last year together. Didn't you wait on Kawhi for two years? Wasn't this supposed to be all this leading up to Kawhi, and now he may not come? Yeah. I guess you're gonna find Demarcus Cousins. I don't know. <laughs> or, <laughs> or overpay Jeff Green again? <laughs> oh God. This has been an interesting free agency, though, man. I two point nine billion dollars. Yeah, sheesh. I wish I wasn't five ten and Mexican. No, <laughs> 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 oh, work on your jump shot, man. I, I, I get this money. That's the only way, man. I got to become a shooter. 
listen, I'm fighting up in the corner like Bruce Bowen did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make my money that way. <laughs> so, RJ, we forgot to mention. Where's your boy Isaiah Thomas going? Final question. Oh, oh, that's right. Where's your um, boy Isaiah Thomas going? Isaiah Thomas. You know what? I would still like to see him go to Milwaukee. I think that makes a lot of sense. Milwaukee kind of needs another scoring guard. They lose Brogdon. I think Isaiah Thomas is relatively cheap right now, probably the cheapest he'll ever be. And it's kind of like those, you know, low-risk, high-reward things, I feel like. Because let's say IT does come in. I don't say – let's say he doesn't beat Eric Bledsoe out for the spot, but he could come in, drop 12, 13, maybe 14 points per game. I don't know. I still got faith in Isaiah Thomas, and I, I would really like to see him in Milwaukee uh, and help that you point guard position. Come back? I think so, man. It's been two years. I know he didn't fit in with the Nuggets because they had so many guards with Gary Harris and Jamal Murray and all the guys coming off the bench and whatnot. It just didn't seem like the team to go to, but a team that needs a point guard right now I think is Milwaukee, and he doesn't have to be thrown into – like any expectations i think if he went to milwaukee there's no expectations for him to score i think it's a good scenario for both teams right i just wanted to ask you about your boy isaiah man because you've been sold on him more than probably anybody else i know oh dude i love him (laughs) and i'm wishing him the best I, i want him to come back after everything that happened in his family and he still came out and played yeah I want to see this dude come back and kill it again, man. I hope he does. I hope he does, too. I hope he does. Man, RJ, we, we almost covered everything, but there's one there's one move we forgot to, to cover that was pretty big. We forgot about the Sixers trading uh, J- J- Jimmy Butler to the Miami Heat. How did we forget that? I don't know. But it was a part of a four-team trade. Jimmy Butler goes to the Heat. The Dallas Mavericks get Goran Dragic, Kelly Olynyk, and Derek Jones Jr. The Sixers get Josh Richardson, and then as part of the deal, the Blazers get my they get Hazan Whiteside and give up Myers Leonard and Mo Harkless to Miami. Why Miami though, Jimmy? I don't know. He said he wanted to win. That's what he said. He said he wanted nothing less than the max, and he wanted to win championships. Like, clearly he's not thinking straight because he ain't going to win in Miami. You know, winning in Miami, I mean, who do they they have in Miami? Justice Winslow? Great. (laughs) I thought maybe he would have thought Dallas or the Clippers or... Maybe even the Lakers give them a deal in the 11th hour. Yeah. No. Miami. That's surprising. And I know Dwayne Wade probably has his hand in this somewhere. But this isn't a team that's going to be contending. No, not at all. Jimmy, what, what are you doing, man? Maybe if he just wants his own team. Maybe it's just that. Maybe I don't know. But haven't we kind of seen this movie before? It was Chicago when Derrick Rose was out and Jimmy Butler was supposed to be the guy and then it didn't work out. No, it did not. 
What's going to change in Miami? I don't think anything is. But it seems like Jimmy Butler, he's one of those guys that if it's not done his way, he's not happy. And I just don't know if he would be happy, let's say if he was a part of this super team where he's the second option, maybe third option, and the team loses five games in a row, and now all of a sudden he, I'm taking the janitor, I'm taking <laughs> the assistant coach, I'll take the head coach and our PR guy. <laughs> and I want to face the first shrink. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. Miami, really, Jimmy? You leave a team where you were basically four bounces away from going into overtime and possibly winning the series, if I would have been Jimmy Butler, I would have said, run that back. Nope. Miami it is. Yeah, that's that's a head-scratcher, man. Like he said, he's very contradicting if he said he wanted to win and then ends up going to Miami after they just traded all those guys capable of winning, like Drogic and Hazan Whiteside. I mean, I don't think Houston would have worked because you heard Houston. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that would have worked. I think the writing's kind of on the wall with them right now. I think that, yeah, you did the link-link deal with Chris Paul, but you really didn't need to with an aging point guard. James Harden, this is his team, but it's really not fun watching a guy dribble the ball 22 out of 24 seconds. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like us playing in the rec league. Like, you wouldn't want to be on a team where a guy is just dribbling the ball the entire time and you're just standing there watching them. Hell no. That may be fun. Like, let's say you see more and more people coming into the gym and you're like, I want to stay on the court because if we lose, then the wait time may be an hour. But that's not fun when it's just, you know, hey, these are the same guys that are going to be here all night. Mm-hmm. I want to get my shots up. Yeah, I feel you. But, you know, Jimmy, maybe he wants his own team. But I just don't think Miami should have been the place. But Jimmy's always been his own man. He's always wanted to do things his way. But I don't know if he's going to be happy because he's not going to win in Miami. And I don't know who you're persuading to come to Miami with you. Mm-hmm. It's not a very attractive team right of, now. Let's see. 2011. So you're eight years too late with this. And trying to create some super team. LeBron, Wade, and Bosch left. Yep. Getting pretty lonely down there in Miami. Hey, but at least he's living in South Beach. <laughs> I mean, it has to be nice living in South Beach. I'm sure it's a good lifestyle decision, you know? I don't know about winning NBA well, games. South Beach feel better if you were winning? Oh, for sure. But I don't know. Jimmy's, 
Jimmy's always been, like you said, kind of the, his own guy. Like, he he doesn't take shit from anybody. He kind of does his own thing. He's not right. afraid. He's not afraid to, you know, cut ties and call people out. So, I don't know. Maybe he just wanted to go somewhere. And, you, like you said, kind of start new with some, you know, I don't know. We'll see how it develops there in Miami. But he definitely got paid. He got paid. Collecting checks, player. If yeah. they giving out two point nine billion worth of contracts. Oh Noah, I forgot to ask you this. How can we forget? What do you think about your Kings? Oh my gosh, uh, I don't want to talk about the Kings right now. Actually, <laughs> they, <laughs> I I I think I I read somewhere this morning that they spent like a hundred twenty million dollars on Harrison Barnes. Like Dwayne Dedman, who I don't even know who he played with last year, and I'm drawing a blank on the third person. I'll look it up right now. But I, Trevor Ariza was it Trevor? That's right. It was Trevor Ariza. Like what the what? What are they doing over there, man? Call, <laughs> I thought Vladdy Divac had figured it out, and now I don't. I don't know. Vladdy, man, you gotta love him, right? Uh, I I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because what? You had a good thing going with Heald and Darren Fox. What are you doing? I'm not sure. They, I actually just read two right now. They signed Corey Joseph, too. So I guess they secured up the backup point guard position. But I don't know. I feel like Trevor Reese is a little past his prime, obviously. He's not going to offer much on the court. Right. Harrison Barnes was a good fit for him for that team, but I feel like they overpaid at four years, eighty-five million. And then I I don't know, just the rest of those moves are kind of a head scratcher. The Dwayne Dedman doesn't seem like he's going to offer much. I'm really not too sure what they were thinking, and they could have used this money. I thought on, you know, keeping Willie Colley Stein, maybe or adding another big that can um, rim run and protect a little bit better than he could. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not sure what they're doing over there, but no one knows what Vladdy Divac's ever doing. Never. Come on. Oh no! I, I thought I thought they would have turned it around, but <laughs> they're the kings, man. Yeah, they're the kings. They are the kings. Kings gonna kings. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, RJ, thanks again for hopping on the show. Much love. I'm glad Always. we were able to get this in. If there's like a second wave of free agency that, you know, Kawhi signs, we'll definitely have to do another show. But um, thanks again for hopping on, man. Man, anytime, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, appreciate it. Much love. Much love. A big thank you to everyone who listened to the podcast. I am your host, Noah Alvarez. This is the My Mike and I podcast. Again, this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud.com. Again, another shout out to Generic Sports for producing the instrumental in the intro and the outro. You can check out more of his work at soundcloud.com slash generic sports. Also check out RJ Saunders. He has his own pod. I've heard, promoted it recently on the other podcast that he's hopped in on. But you can check it out. It's titled Off the Bench Podcast. It's on soundcloud.com. A lot of good stuff on that as well. Again, just want to say thank you to everyone who's listened. This was an emergency podcast because so much happened in free agency. So we are going to be putting out another episode this week, the week of July 4th. So be sure to stay tuned for that. I'm thinking July 5th is going to be the date of when the other episode drops. But yeah, thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. I am Noah Alvarez, signing off.
until next time.